Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Welcome to Power Your Life, and I'm Dr. Joanne White, and as I always say, it's a pleasure to be here. And these days, we need more joy, we need more laughter, and we have to be able to oftentimes see some of the challenges in our lives with a sense of humor and a sense of lightness that can actually help us go through that, which is why I have somebody that's perfect for where we are and what we need to do, and I'm talking about Alan Sidley, who's a comedian, an author, a sketch writer, an improviseer, a motivational speaker, as well as a lyricist, and his newly released book called Daddy Issues, A Fatherless Comedian's Original Jokes is filled with Alan's original jokes and was also a number one new release on Amazon. He wanted and still wants Daddy Issues to be a distraction from everything in our lives as well as a celebration of the family and friends that he's had as well as lost throughout his life. Alan has headlined the Church of Satire Comedy Club. He's opened multiple times at the Laugh Index Festival and was also a member of the Unkosher Comedy Tour. He's performed in festivals and clubs all across the country, as well as several TV appearances, and is ready and eager to get back on stage this summer and fall for his Daddy Issues Tour. Welcome, Alan Sidley. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to you know get into it and talk about all the fun things going on. Wonderful. Now, it has been a challenging year, so this book, and I have it right here, this book is, like you said, it's a little bit of a distraction. Tell us a little bit, firstly, why you named it what you did. Yeah, and why you well, wrote it. Uh, so, for sure. So, some of it is a play on words. Because um, basically, a lot of the jokes that are in there are supposed to be readable jokes, right? It's supposed to flow kind of like a written comedy album. And since I personally have some daddy issues, the fact that a lot of the jokes are more of the puns and the wordplay and the one-liner, they're kind of seen as dad jokes. So it's just like my kind of clever take on that. And yeah, uh, just you know, to get personal real quick, uh, growing up, my father actually passed away when I was like 11 months old. So obviously that, you know, shaped me and impacted me as who I am today and how I, how I carry myself through everything in life. So just out of curiosity, what's a daddy issue? What's one of your daddy issues? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's so hard to say. I know it's like almost counterintuitive based off of the title and everything, but it's just like, 
everything and nothing, right? Because, like, I've never known what's the opposite side of this. Um, all I really know is, like, yeah, you know, just, like, not having that person around, I think, uh, kind of always drove me to want to get, you know, affirmation from people since I didn't have that, like, other parent in my life kind of giving me that and providing that stability and encouragement and feedback. So that's a daddy, you know, not having a daddy is a daddy issue in and of itself, right? Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, tell our listeners, Alan, why you wrote the book and why you feel that, you know, it's so important, especially now for what we're going through and what we've been through all this year. Well, it was something I joked about for a while, right? Like, as I mentioned, a lot of my jokes can be enjoyed in a readable form. When I write something, I'm like, can I say this on stage or should someone someone read it? And I just have written so many jokes while doing comedy for, like, the past six, seven years that I knew I had something there, that the content was there. So I started kind of tinkering around with the idea in my brain. Never took much action. It wasn't until I actually went to, like, the Tyson's Corner Mall with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, and she was, you know, doing makeup and shopping, and I wandered into the Barnes & Noble bookstore where I started peeking around the humor section, and I saw, yeah, there are these, like, really great memoirs from famous comedians, both alive and have passed away, and then there are these humor books that aren't really written by comedians. They're more so, let me take all the jokes that everybody knows, knock-knock jokes, you know, from the past 50 years that we've all heard since third grade through high school through nowadays. And I was like, nobody is really putting out a book that is a kind of like active working comedian. So that's kind of what drove me to it. It was, uh, I saw it as like a challenge, like let me sort of fill that void and hopefully give some people some, you know, laughter and enjoyment out of it. And with the pandemic, and not being able to go outside and perform, it did actually give me that opportunity to actually focus on that, whereas I am very easily distracted. I mean, I always want to work on two to five projects at once in the comedy creative realm, but I was able to just really stay focused during this time. And I think people, you know, if you like jokes and you need a distraction and you want to laugh at some stuff that's happened to me in my life or some of the really fantastical fantasy stuff I've made up. I mean, it's perfect for that. So comedy, stand-up comedy is actually something unto itself because you you need people to laugh. How do you you feel when you're getting up on stage and, and what happens if somebody, well, first, how do you feel when you're getting up on stage doing comedy? And also, what happens if, People don't laugh, and how do you get that? How do you work that? <laughs> well, first off, I have never done badly on stage my entire career. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, so, honestly, it's like this kind of attitude that I take on where I'm like, I'm nervous getting on stage. I'm always nervous before a show, but I know if I get that first laugh, I'll be okay, and I try to sort of cater my set to either – going in with a first strong joke or doing like a little crowd work commenting something on the room to bring people in. So I try to like, you know, give myself as much of advantage as possible. And when it's not working, I mean, you have 
choices you can make. You know, you can either say, hey, this material is not working. I can bring out my A-list material, right? Maybe that'll work. Or you can engage with the crowd. But, you know, kind of regardless of what you do, it's not the most enjoyable experience, to be frank. And you just kind of got to power through it. And then you get off stage, you feel kind of crappy, but you say, hey, you know, I'm either going to do this again tonight or do it again tomorrow or take a couple days off. Maybe there's a learning opportunity. Something you said in the moment on stage while you were getting frustrated was actually really funny. But, you know, you try to avoid those situations, but they, they're also unavoidable. Well, I think, you know, sometimes you have a, a difficult audience that may depend on their mood, too, and then they just may not be in, oh. in the place for humor, right? So you do a lot exactly. of living yes. on um, sometimes. So it's funny. As my comedy career has, like, moved, so at first I started off, my history was I was a improviser. So I did, I really enjoyed just being in the moment, trying to be funny, not really thinking about stuff. But as I evolved over time, I really enjoyed more, like, the writing the jokes, the structure, the misdirection, the punchlines, the tags, all the nerdy stuff. So I sometimes... Now I see myself shying away from ad-libbing, but what I always say in terms of my style is, like, the more prepared I am, the more I can improvise. So if I know my set list pretty well down-packed for that night, I can pivot at any point if I need to. So the option's there, but I prefer to be like, you know, I work hard on these jokes. I want to share them with people. I love that. That's important. And you do work harder at your jokes, too. So you talked about, and, and the book says daddy issues, and you talked about growing up without a father, and, and your father died when you were very, very young. What What's life, what was life like with, you know, you mentioned earlier look, always looking for for some feedback from others, some confirmation. What was, What else was life like without a father, and how did that shift you and influence you in in terms of today and even growing up throughout your life? Yeah, so I think growing up, I think the best thing my mom did besides being, you know, supportive and loving is she put me in a lot of sports. So I was like a pretty good athlete, you know, most of my life going in through being young, through high school and college. And I think like having those positive experiences with other people, whether it was team sports, like football and baseball or individual sports like tennis, you know, I got to have those opportunities of really just like putting myself out there, celebrating team success when things go well, but then also knowing like failure is part of the process and you kind of have to be able to reset. You know, if I strike out in baseball, I can't be sad and upset the rest of the game. I got to go hit next inning. So I think like I took a lot of those lessons away and I think they've helped like, you know, transform me uh, throughout life. And, you know, it, it's a cagey, it's a weird situation because, like, I don't know too much about my dad. Um, but as my mom would say, he was a very entrepreneurial guy. Like, he always did things kind of his own way. You know, I think he, um, as my mom would like to say, he, like, teleworked before that was a thing. Apparently he got paid just to be available so he could, like, work on his own inventions, work on, he was, like, a brilliant genius guy. And I like to think that, I try to take some of that with me in terms of just, you know, doing things on my own terms as much as possible, trying not to, like, sacrifice my integrity or my work ethic 
and just, you know, try to do as much of what I want to do in life. I love that. That's important. Now, what was your first experience being on stage, Alan, doing comedy? What was it like? So, first time, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I've got a couple of experiences. So, first time doing comedy for me, as I mentioned, was the improv, where I didn't have to think about anything, and it was amazing. It was super fun. It was my first time, like, as they would say, killing it on stage, and I was like, wow, I need to do stuff like this more often. Eventually got the confidence to do stand-up, and my first time doing stand-up was pretty bad. <laughs> it was uh, one of these Why? What happened? Uh, bringer shows. I had to bring ten of my closest friends, and they and it just my stuff wasn't hitting. I was super nervous. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, it's like you have an idea of what stand-up comedy is, and when you get on stage, you kind of realize it's a different sport. And it was a good lesson, but I, I had that drive. I was like, even though this sucked, I liked part of me really liked doing it, and I just had this like deep down conviction that I would be able to figure it out. And that's sort of how. I still approach things, whether it's the figuring out my jokes or my set or even, like, the business side of comedy. It's, like, still kind of know, don't know what I'm doing, but I, I just have this deep, you know, belief that I'll be able to eventually figure it all out. And I think it's always a learning experience, no matter what we're doing, you know, constantly. So a live audience, I'm picturing that for you. There they are, and and some people mm. are... People can be really strange. Some people decide, I'm not laughing. You we, you know, you have to work hard to make me laugh. What do you do with a live audience? And also, what do you do with an audience that, like I said, is just determined not to, not to, be, not to be amused? Um, well, hopefully in terms of the audience that doesn't want to be amused, if there are people there that do want to be amused, I really just try to focus on them. I don't think there's much of a point of trying to, like, bring in those people who don't want to participate, who have already decided that they're having kind of a bad time. You're not going to just instantly be able to flip their day around because you said the best joke. So, I mean, I've done shows where, like, two or three people are eating it up, and you kind of just pretend you're performing for three people, and it's great. So I think that's a... That's basically my instincts right there, you know. You start seeing the responses, and some people are just loving it, eating it up, and you're like, you're the audience. Nobody else matters. Sometimes you even say that. People will laugh at that. Um, and, yeah, just going, going with that. And in terms of just the audience in general, I mean, like I said, I haven't done it in a while. I'm scared and excited, but I think it's going to think it's gonna be great. I do hope, you know, with, like, all this this past year with everything that people have gone through, I hope people can kind of just show up to a comedy show and just want to have a good time. It's kind of what you would hope for at this point. But as you said, you know, someone could be having a bad day and take it out on the comedian. So you never really know what's going to happen. And that's why it's great because it's so unpredictable. Well, it's all, yeah. And you have to be in a mindset to be able to, to handle whatever, you know, whatever people are bringing to, to the show as the audience because, like you said, there's so much unpredictability in it. And no matter what, you still have to be there and be on stage and perform 
and that's exciting. So what about some mm-hmm. of the, the comedies that you've done? Like you, you've headlined the Church of Satire Comedy Club. What was that about? What was that like? So a lot of work went into it, you know, and how I, like, approached my craft. Sort of similar to how I approached the book where, you know, I, I kind of open everything up. I want to, like, remember my catalog. It's very hard to remember every joke you've ever said or written on stage. So that's part of the preparation process, organizing, refining. You know, as you've seen in my book, I don't do a lot of storytelling. I like to say that my jokes tell a story. So I'm telling a lot of jokes in that 45 minutes to an hour. So you got to make sure, at least for me, if I'm telling that many jokes, I try to craft it in a way that has, A, an intuitive flow for the audience, but also an intuitive flow for me because I have to remember, you know, 45 minutes of this stuff. Uh, but the experience itself, it's just really fun. I mean, it's a little nerve-wracking trying to, for me at least, in terms of uh, hoping I can remember everything, but also knowing if I forget something or if I go off course that it's going to be fine. And there is just, I don't know, there's something about, having that time and being the, the main person, the headliner, the person that they came to see that I really like. It's just like, it's definitely like a new feeling. You know, you kind of get put on a pedestal a little bit, but people also kind of want to give you a little more because they technically paid to see you do your craft. So it's like a, this kind of give and take relationship, but ultimately just, I don't know. It's great. I, I'm really excited for this weekend. <laughs> What's happening this weekend? So this Sunday, uh, Father's Day, which because of my ability to do these kinds of dad jokes, I've been putting on shows on Father's Day for the past few years, kind of relying on that niche where I was kind of strictly doing that stuff. But this year I'm actually performing my hometown, Vienna, Virginia, at Jam and Java, doing like a 2 p.m. doors, 3 p.m. show matinee, and I'm headlining. And I'm doing, like, 45 minutes to an hour. I think we're recording it. I've got a couple uh, openers for me that I really like. But for me, you know, as a person and a comedian, I'm kind of, like, all in or I'm out. And haven't done as much of the performing in the past year. But in preparing for this, I'm excited to do this show on Sunday and really just kind of get back out there and try to, you know, have some fun with it. Enjoy it again. I really missed it. it. There's nothing like it. There really isn't. Like doing these Zoom shows or posting something on social media, you get something out of it. But the actual live raw performance, there's really nothing else like it. So you really have to to love standing up and, and doing things and, and having an audience and, and like you said, making it. It's raw. And... I think that's something that not everybody can do because, like you said, there's a, there's a nervousness as well as excitement that goes on. That go, you know, they both go on simultaneously. So where do you mm-hmm. you have so many different kinds of jokes? Like I said, I have your book. How do you? Where do you get the material from? How do you come up with it? You said some of it, you know some of it's also a celebration of people that that you've known and past. So how do you? I'm just trying to get a sense of how do you come up with these things and, and what, you know, what's the source like and why? Yeah, I'll definitely get into that. Um, so sometimes I'm really lucky and I'm hit with inspiration and the joke will honestly like just come to me fully formed and it's perfect. 
I don't have to do anything to it. I go up on stage, tell it, it works. That's very rare. Other times, you know, something's on my mind and I'm either inspired, you know, or maybe I'm feeling a little buzz from like coffee or something. And, you know, it's, it's something about seeing something new that you hadn't seen before, whether it is thinking about some drama going on with my family or my dad passing away when I was little or some work stuff going on, you know, after doing this for as long as I have, you have the ability to see these connections, whether it's the joke that you end up making is this pun punchline or something else. Some of it comes to you and some of it you got to kind of just sit down and think about. Um, I will say a lot of jokes have been made like when I'm in person, when I'm with my wife or my friends and something, you know, funny will hit me in the moment and we're like, Hey, we got to write that down, save it for later. Maybe it'll work on stage. So I would say a combination of all those things, the thing that doesn't work for me that a lot of people will talk about is the whole sit down and write. Some people will say sit down and write for an hour a day. For me, that's free writing. I will write and be like, well, these are my thoughts and feelings, but it's not that funny. So it's like a little combination of inspiration and just trying to get in that mindset. Uh, I think another thing that helps me is if I'm looking at jokes that I have in terms of refining them, I can kind of stay in that same comedic voice. Because it is a different voice than just, like, my normal speaking voice, my normal mindset. So it's, like, doing everything I can to stay in that zone, which also includes really just, like, trying to be as healthy as possible. I'm always feeling better about things if I'm taking care of my body, getting good sleep, getting good rest, doing yoga, things like that. Like, it's all encompassing. Because if I'm really depressed, I'm going to just tell a bunch of I'm super depressed jokes and that might work for a really depressed crowd, but that's not going to work everywhere. So that's more than what you wanted, but. <laughs> no, that's okay. So how do the people, do you, how do the people around you, the close people, like your your wife and your friends deal with you? Are you constantly creating jokes? Or are they Are they kind of, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Are they always the butt of the jokes, or what what goes on? What's the interaction like? It's like, oh, no, Alan, not again. I'm I'm making it up. (laughs) Um, So my wife is very honest with her feedback. I will come up with lots of jokes in the moment, or, you know, I'm upstairs, she's downstairs, and I'll, like, I'll get on my voice where I'll try to pretend something just happened, but I'm really telling her a joke, and... She'll be pretty honest whether she likes it or not. So, but then I have to keep in mind, I'm like, all right, my wife is a valid audience member. So if she doesn't like it, that probably means there's a set of group of people out there that don't like it. Also, chance a set of group of people might love it. So, but at least I have some feedback. Um, but no, I don't think anyone really, people don't realize that comedians are like pretty narcissistic, you know, at the, narcissist at the root core. So, People will say things to me like, oh, don't put me in your act because of this. And I'm like, because I just told you this. And that doesn't really happen, you know. For me, the jokes, they have to be something I've created. Um, so, yeah, I don't think too many people worry about getting in my acts Because they're going to get in it one way or another, whether I write about it or not. They don't have any control. I'm in control. <laughs> I think that's great because oftentimes when people are writing 
and it, and and they're telling a story, and and it's some of the family members are are in that story or whatever. They have to disguise it or shift it or whatever, but but uh, you're not. Yeah, so that that's not doing it. No, What's I mean, the, all right. So I will get into my. The, I do tell jokes about my wife. I tell jokes about my mom, um, and some of them are a little bit risque. You know, in terms of the topics, and some of them don't like the jokes, but we've been through it. I'm like, I'm gonna tell these jokes, but you're entitled to your response. <laughs> and as long as okay. I don't push too many boundaries, I'm not sleeping on the couch. So. Okay, and they don't say you don't you dare do that, right? They just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've come to an agreement over the past years that it's like, yeah, just remember. You might feel a little singled out, but the purpose of this is really to bring other people laughter as well. And that's important. That really is. What's the biggest yeah. challenge that you experience being on stage, Al? Like, sorry. So the biggest challenge while I'm on stage, uh, I mean, honestly, it's got to be the occasional heckling that happens. Um, I have been heckled before during a set that was going really well, and it really screwed with my psyche because I was like, am I doing well? Why is this happening? Oh, it's just a person who's super drunk. And you're kind of like having a conversation with yourself as you're trying to do your like performative thing. Um, so I honestly have to say it's like those folks. And in terms of dealing with hecklers, you know, there's like, a couple of schools of thought, you can, like, go in on that person and make them the focus, but then they're getting the attention they want. So, you know, and people are like, oh, you can just shut down a heckler. You say one good roast, they'll be quiet the rest of the night. And it's like, no, they won't. You're giving them, if you address them at least directly, you're then giving them permission to speak even more. So, I mean, I'll acknowledge, maybe I'll throw a zinger, but at some point you kind of just got to move on. But I will say those uh they can rile you sometimes. Not not my favorite. And it doesn't happen a lot. But like I said, being heckled when I was doing well, that screwed me up for a couple of days. You've been listening to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.